Hey, really quick before we get started, please remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to check me out on my website, rhitch.com. I have a lot of great PDFs, white papers, past recordings of webinars, you name it, a lot of valuable information. And also please give this show a rating as I always appreciate your feedback. Hello and welcome back to the Financial Breakaway Podcast where I try to take confusing personal financial planning and investment related topics and try to break them down into plain English for the everyday person. My goal in these conversations is to help you break away from your personal financial confusion and end up on the right path to reaching your financial goals. I am Ryan Hitchcock, your host, and I am a financial planner with High Point Capital Group out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, in this episode, I have another amazing guest and good friend of mine, Brian Midum. He's the founder and owner of Plan B Home Buyers. Brian has a wealth of knowledge in all aspects of the real estate industry, so that's why I asked him to be here today. His company, though, Plan B Home Buyers, buys houses with cash to provide people an option for a fast home buying process. Um, they can sell as is or to just bypass the fees and paperwork compared to working with the realtor. His company also does direct seller marketing and direct lending for real estate investors. Brian also has a portfolio of single family and duplex homes that he rents out, which we discuss as well. However, I really wanted to pick his brain as I have been doing in these episodes on the industry as a whole, the real estate industry, the current state of it, the changes that it has experienced lately. We've all seen it. We discussed the effects of things like the eviction memorandum from his point of view. We discussed the exodus from urban areas to suburbs, where he thinks the or whether he thinks the market as a whole is in a bubble or if he thinks the opposite is true and there's really a housing shortage. We talk about baby boomers beating out millennials for single family homes when they're downsizing in retirement, interest rates, uh, work from home, rentals, multi-units, the Burr strategy, pretty much everything was on the docket today. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, everything said in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions alone. All statements regarding companies made are strictly beliefs or points of view held by myself or Brian and not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any securities. Myself or Brian may or may not maintain positions in securities discussed. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the episode today. I'm super excited. I have an amazing guest in the real estate industry with me here, a good friend of mine, Brian Mitem. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you, Ryan? Doing well. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Yeah, no, I'm excited. You're, it's going to be a great conversation. Brian has a wealth of, of knowledge in the, in the real estate industry, so I'm going to learn a lot from you today. Um, there's a ton of different things we could probably talk about, so, um, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. So before I introduce you here and let you talk about kind of your background, just let me remind everybody kind of why I asked you here. Sure. Um, I might throw some stats at you that I kind of found at the, about the real estate industry. Um, and then we'll just kind of chat about that. So, so again, um, you know, doing this series on thematic investing, kind of that high level concept that's been kind of a buzzword over the, over the near term here, but it's basically focused investments on certain topics or certain industries that somebody might find um, a, a good place to put some money or in investments. And so in this case, I'm taking certain industries that I think um, are good and are up and coming or are places that might have higher growth potential in the near to long term future. So 
so real estate is is definitely one of those. It's always a hot topic. Um, there's a lot of stuff always going on in the real estate. Um, so that's why I have uh, Brian here. Is I think that in this thematic world uh, of conversation, people are just looking at the the top line or the overview. They're not really diving deep into what it actually is in that specific theme or topic. And so I have Brian here to talk about, you know, he works daily in the real estate industry. He has been for a long time. He has his own company in the real estate um, industry. So, you know, I want his experience to share with us. So. Um, so we're going to talk about that. So let me just throw some stats at you here, Brian. Sounds good. Um, I was looking at a report from the National Association of Realtors, uh, their November 2021 uh, report. So on their residential side, so there's a bunch of different places in, in real estate. So on the residential, there's, uh, you know, home time, first time home buyers grew to 34%. So that's higher than it was uh, previously in 2020, uh, which was 31%. Um, 31% are paying asking price and over 29% are paying more than asking price. So that's kind of common knowledge right now. People, home prices are pretty high, right? Yep. You've been hearing that. Um, inventory is low. You know, it's uh, at a two and a half month average from what I saw. Um, the average sale price of an existing home is 370000 right around there, depending on the month. Um, but in November, it was 370000 um, There's still a million people, however, on the forbearance, which is quite a big number. It's 2% of all mortgage holders. So there's that. In the rental industry, the multifamily is having a boom. It's it's the biggest demand we've seen in over 10 years. Um, these occupancy and rental properties has increased by a million units because people uh, have demand of these higher home prices. They're pushing them to a little bit more affordable rents. Um, the, however, the median or the average asking rent price has spiked uh, 11%. So that year over year in November, it's up over 11%. And I know you're going to talk about yep. that. There was an eviction ban um, over the last year. That's done with, but I'm sure that there's a lot going on there. Um, then real quick, in the office space industry, at the, at the peak of the pandemic, there was 132 million square feet of office space that was rendered unoccupied. Um, so that was quite a bit. Now that still has not come back yet. Um, there's still, it's coming back, but there's still 12% of the workforce working from home. So again, these are just a bunch of stats I wanted to spit out. It's all from the National Association of Realtors um, Housing Stats Report in November 2021. So, so Brian, there's, there's a lot there. I know. Yeah. What's your first thoughts there? <laughs> uh, first thoughts is if you were to ask me in a pandemic if the real estate market would be today what it is today, um, I would say absolutely not. Crazy. Um, it's been crazy. You know, when uh, when this when the pandemic hit, you know, I was doing felt like Zoom conference calls every day with investor friends around the country, and we we're all like, okay, how bad are we going to get hit, and what do we need to do today to protect ourselves? And it's been, you know, now here we are. We're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Well, that's awesome. So, um, let, why don't you introduce yourself? You know, uh, give us a little bit of your background in the real estate industry. Sure. Well, I started, uh, I got a, a college degree in finance, um, and uh, then I worked for an investment firm. I was a bond trader and an analyst for a local investment firm from 2001 to 2007. Started doing real estate part-time in 2005. Okay. Uh, at that time, I was uh, you know, working uh, a full-time job and then doing real estate in the evenings, and I started out negotiating short sales. And for you know, listeners that aren't familiar, it's basically negotiating debt. People that are underwater, they need to sell their house, but they owe more on their house than they can sell it for. 
So I would go in and negotiate the debt with the bank to create the equity so they could sell the house, um, avoid that foreclosure from going through, and then I would create the equity by negotiating the debt with the bank, um, and then I would uh, either keep those as rental properties or re uh, resell them or renovate and resell them. Nice. So you're buying them from them, doing right. short sales. Yep. Nice. That was your first... Yeah, so that's what I kind of started doing yeah. on, on the side and negotiating um, a lot of short sales. Nice. Um, and it, it got, uh, you know, I started growing the business. I was bootstrapping it, working from home. Uh, and then I eventually made the leap from uh, corporate world to uh, being self-employed. So time. that was pre-housing bubble, right. right? So you kind of worked all through that as well. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, when the... You know, I, I left my corporate job in April of 07. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> when, uh, when, when the housing bubble burst, um, you know, for me, I was on the right side of it uh, just because I was, I was heavily involved in short sales. Yeah. And I was selling these quicker, almost quicker than I could get them done. Nice. Um, and then eventually. That is crazy timing. I never knew that. Yeah. And eventually the banks came in and put deed restrictions on. Um, on the short sales, which sometimes I said, well, yeah, you'd have to hold them 90 days before you could resell them, um, which is frustrating because my standpoint was you like, wanted to, I wanted to turn, turn you know, I wanted over. to turn them. Yeah. And for me, it was frustrating. Like the bank's happy with the price they're getting, just get out of the way and let the market take care of itself. Um, so that slowed things down a little bit, um, but it was still, uh, you know, for me at that time of the business, it was a great, it was a great place to be. That's awesome. Um, however, I, on the flip side of that, I saw real estate destroy people's lives as well. Um, so I had, you know, real estate investor friends that, you know, they were living high in the hog. Sure. Guess, you know, they were, you know, they weren't running their portfolio properly. They weren't managing debt properly. Um, and they get, just got completely wiped out. Wow. Yeah, that's scary. That's a scary side and, of and any I'm investment. some of that interest. again today. Okay. Interesting. Uh, which we can get into that. Yeah, later. definitely. So, so you have a company now, Plan B. Plan B Home Buyers. Yep. Correct. Okay. So explain what you do there. Sure. I, um, in that business, I buy houses uh, with cash. A lot of times it's, I get a lot of referrals. I've been around for a while, so I get a lot of referrals from mm -hmm. uh, probate type situations, um, you know, real, uh, real estate attorneys that, you know, they have clients that need to liquidate. Um, so I purchase a lot of those homes. We also do direct seller marketing. Uh, so we're working with homeowners that need to sell for one reason or another, whether they're relocating, downsizing, death and the family need to sell a property. Uh, and the benefit of working with a company like mine is we, we buy them with cash, we can transact quickly if needed, um, and people can literally you know, close the door and walk out and leave what's behind if they don't wanna deal with it. We'll you know, handle You'll donations and okay. getting rid of stuff that they don't want. So with some people, it, it can be very overwhelming dealing with yeah. the contents left in the home. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, so that's one side, then you said, you said direct lending as well. Yeah, so I, I lend to other real estate investors in the local Milwaukee market. Okay. So that's been a good business. After the real estate market crashed, a lot of the banks were like, we're not, we're not touching these guys again. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the homes that, not a lot of them, a fair amount of the homes that I buy need foundation work um, or they've got you know leaky roofs or whatever it is. And banks don't like that type of asset. Sure. Um, they don't like the risk. Um, so some of them are starting to lend again, um, but I'm able to lend money to other investors locally. I understand the asset, um, I understand the business, so it's kind of a good, uh, a good secondary business uh, to be yeah. into. Uh, so it's worked out well. That's awesome. And then um, talk to me a little bit about you have your own portfolio yourself of of rental. Yeah, so I've got a portfolio of single families and duplexes that I rent out here locally in the in. Uh, 
mainly Milwaukee County. That's awesome. Um, so that's been interesting through the pandemic just because of the, uh, uh, the eviction moratorium. Um, so that's been a, a painful uh, spot to be at times. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, in, in the books, a lot of, you know, when they're teaching people about rentals, they don't tell you that at some point the government will try and put you out of business. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what it's felt like during this pandemic. Um, so, and that's been like, I would say, you know, as a business owner, you know, I like to think I'm mentally strong, but this year I kind of found out like as mentally strong as I am, um, having what felt like the government trying to put me out of business was very tough. That, that's got to be very frustrating. And I'm guessing that was shared by a lot of business owners in the real estate industry like yourself. Oh, that, for sure. That, you know, people outside of the industry, you know, we hear about, and that's like why I want to peel the layers back. That's why I'm, I have you here is we, not the everyday person heard about those. So, um, so let's get into those in a little bit sure. here. That's, that's going to be a very interesting topic, but phenomenal background. Um, you have many different aspects in the, in the real estate industry. That's again, why I have you here. Um, but, uh, but let's just start high level. So sure. how has the last year, 2021, 2020, how has the local residential real estate market been from your um, point? And let me just interject here. If I didn't say it, you know, um, there's a ton of different ways to to invest in real estate, right? Like you are doing it your way. You own real estate, uh, own rental units. You're buying and selling. You know that's one way to do it. There's also you know in my world where you can have um, ETFs or mutual funds. So I'm not. We're not recommending any of these different sources. We're just talking high level on the real estate market. Um, so I just wanted to to put that in there. So back to the question: um, How has the the residential real estate market been, kind of locally and 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 even uh, more U.S. from your point of sure, view. Sure, it, it's it's been great. Um, uh, not what I would again expect uh, yeah. through a, through a pandemic at all. Um, it has been uh, it's been interesting also on the supply side. Um, you know, sourcing materials for renovations. Um, you know, I own the company. I you know I meet with when I buy homes. I'm the one going out of the appointments, meeting with the sellers, uh, managing contractors. So I'm truly boots on the ground, okay. kind of in the trenches yeah. guy. Um, so I, I can probably provide a, a bit of a unique insight yeah. in, in that side of things. But to just kind of go over some numbers, yeah, I know it. you went through some stats previously, but I'll just kind of add to it. And these are, uh, you know, kind of, you know, October of, of this year, 2021. So if you look at October this year versus last year, um, houses for sale uh, were up about 17%. For Milwaukee, Milwaukee County is up about 40%. Um, and I kind of look at 2015 as like the benchmark here just because it was kind of a normalized. Okay, that's great. There's nothing crazy going on. It's just input. kind of a, a benchmark type of year. So um, if you look at, um, you know, the, the healthy market we had in 2015, we had 2,200 homes sold. October 21, we had 2,800 homes sold. So we were down year over year 12%, but relative to this benchmark year, um, you know, we were still better, 2,800 versus 2,200. Yeah, so we're still moving up. So so things are still good, even though that number says home sold, we're down 12%. Interesting. Right. So um, that's why, like, I think a lot of times, the, a lot of the headlines out there are kind of clickbait, right? Cause I they, talk they, about that all the time. They, yeah, that's they need people. They need viewers. They, yeah. need, they need eyes on their articles. They need the clicks. Yep. So once you dig into the data a little bit further, yes, it's 12% down. It's like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? However, if you look at a normalized year, we're, we're still doing better. 
Um, same thing on the inventory side. And, and real, let me, so you're saying, so from October of this year, from October of last year, just homes for sale, the the country's up 16%, is that what? The, uh, this is Milwaukee. Milwaukee, okay. Yes. But then Milwaukee County is 40%. Right. Wow. Yeah. So why, why is there such a bigger di discrepancy there in Milwaukee County, would you say? Um, I don't know exactly. I'm not sure. It, it's yeah, it's, just, it's more than double, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just yeah, the pure. I'm not. I'm not sure. But if if you look at on the. Um, you think it's because Milwaukee County probably has a, that that right in that sale price house like under two fifty, which has been a lot of movement. Probably there's yeah. there, there's just more. In in I guess stepping back, where most of my buying and selling renovating mm -hmm. I try and stay like in the, that first-time home buyer market okay. kind of in that sweet spot just yeah. because the reason being is there's, is there's always new entrants into that market yeah um, and like we were saying that's that's a bigger portion of it now. right and like right now Millennials are the biggest buyer out there um, in addition to baby boomers baby boomers are downsizing Millennials oh. I think they're sick of living in their basement with their yeah. parents <laughs> and they're getting out and, and being active and buying um, but the baby boomers are beating out the millennials just because they're typically cash buyers yeah. and, okay. they're, and they're able to waive, not all the time, a lot of times to be competitive in this market, they have the cash, yeah. they'll make a cash offer. And then they're also waiving inspection contingencies if they need to. Interesting. Um, so they're able to beat out the... So that's, that's something I didn't know. So you have, you have the baby boomers battling with the, the millennials right now right. On, in kind of that single family uh Kind of starter home, if you will, or market. step up step, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the well, they're stepping down. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. And the boomers or the millennials may maybe their first time, or maybe they're stepping up. Gotcha. Okay, so sorry to interrupt you there. Keep going. This is great stuff. Uh, yeah, no problem. So inventory's up um, almost seventeen percent year over year, uh, but if you look at October fifteenth uh, or October twenty fifteen, there were twelve thousand homes for sale uh, versus forty six hundred today. Um, so it's not, uh, you know, the numbers there, it's, it doesn't look like a big deal. Sure. Um, where again, if you read the articles, um, now inventory levels are up 2.4 times since February of this year um, to 1,400, but long-term the average is around 4,000. So inventory is still relatively light. Inventory is light. Even though these numbers, again, look on a percentage basis like, like they're where they're at. Um, and then if you look at uh, on the foreclosure side of things, you know, some of the recent headlines are like, oh, foreclosures are up 49%. True. Yeah. Um, so August of 2020, there was about 5,600. Um, August of 2021, there were about 8,300. So 40, up 49%. However, August of 2019, it was 28,000. Um, so, yes, yeah, so quite so a more, big... More clickbait. Yeah. It's not, yes, it is up 49%, but relative to 2019, the numbers are minimal. Extremely low. Yeah. So, that's crazy. Yeah. So, what will be interesting is to see, you read a stat about the um, the number of people in forbearance right now. Yeah. Is to see how that shakes out. Um, how are the lenders going to handle that? Um, did people take the forbearance just because they could and they really didn't need it? Um, I know some lenders are just terming their loans out further. Others are saying, okay, once forbearance is done on month, whatever, call it month seven, you owe the mortgage uh, payments for the, all the yeah, prior kind of six months. Payment. Yeah. If they do that, we're going to... That's going to be a problem. Gonna be a, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, you, you would think lenders 
would have learned and they don't want to be in the real estate business they want to be in the lending business yes. and they would figure out okay we're just going to term this out yeah just keep extending it but but it could be a possibility it could be yeah. so so still so still some unknowns there um and from what i'm hearing on those numbers thanks for bringing those in is that you know there's a lot of clickbait out there on some of these numbers but diving deeper into them things are still looking things are still pretty strong still strong right and so um, one thing on interest rates, though, if you look at, um, you know, right now we're at about three and a quarter percent on okay. average yep. for interest rates. Um, so on a three hundred thousand dollar loan, your your payments at about thirteen hundred bucks. Okay. If that three and a half, three and a quarter percent interest rate goes up to five percent, uh, the monthly payment increases about three hundred bucks. Okay, just by a one to one thing. Um, right. Yep. So three hundred bucks um, on people that are maybe already be stretched. Is significant. Yeah. So it, so that could slow if if rates creep up. Um, you know, do they go to five percent this year? Who knows? I I don't think they probably do. Um, but I would think three hundred bucks on a monthly basis can be significant for a lot of people. Um, you know, on a mortgage. Yeah. So so that's got to be kind of some new information that people in the real estate and mortgage are really looking at because there's a lot of talk about rising in inflation sure. and rising rates now. So if they do start to rise rates and, and mortgages, mortgage rates go up in turn, then, you know, homes become less affordable for, for people is what right. you're saying. Yep. So that's something to watch for. Interesting. Um, great. So what else do we have to talk about there on the residential? So, so you have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I just I like mean, letting you talk. I, uh, <laughs> So it, it's been, on, on the renovating side, it, it's been very interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, with materials, we've heard about lumber. Right. So my volume is down um, compared to two years ago, just okay. because it's a more competitive market, it's a little bit harder to buy. Um, but on the, on the flip side, you know, the double-edged sword, the market's good for selling. Um, but if I need to go into a box store and buy you know, four exterior light fixtures that match, yeah. like good luck. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough. So I'm buying more online. Okay. Um, and so I'm sourcing materials wherever I can. Just wherever. Um, it's gotten a little bit easier. Um, but if you go into local box stores uh, and want to get, you know, multiple of the same thing, it's, uh, it, it can be pretty challenging and frustrating. I'm sure. So, so let's back up. So we're like during last year when there was a lot of this talk about the crazy, um, lumber comes to mind. That was the one yep. everybody talked about. Um, did you put things on pause? Did you wait it out and see? Did you just kind of keep going and watch the numbers? How did you yeah. handle that? I kept going, but my my lumber is pretty minimal, right? Okay. I'm not I'm not, not building, building a house. I'm not yeah. building a full house. Yeah. Um, so I think the the big home builders they had to keep going, right? Sure. They just couldn't put the brakes on. They've got a machine. They got to keep feeding. Yeah. They got to keep feeding it. I think the small regional guys probably put the brakes on a little bit. Um, I know one guy uh, as a builder in northern Wisconsin, he had a client, they returned their entire, um, well, this is prices went up and they had bought during that. Uh, then prices dropped pretty quickly and dramatically. Yeah. yeah. And they paid the restocking fee uh, and brought everything back and rebought it. Really? It saved a, a lot of money. That's insane. I never heard of that. Um, and it made sense for them to do it. You'd think the, the lumber yard would just say, well, keep it there and we'll just reprice it. Yeah, um, but no. But that, it didn't work. So crazy out that things way. were happening, yeah. right? So crazy, crazy stuff was happening. But um, you know, prices um, rose three hundred percent above the pre-pandemic levels at one point. Uh, and it, I think buyers at that point they're like, "I'm not doing my deck. I'm just going to wait because wait this is just dumb." Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, I think simple supply and demand. You got prices going up crazy high. At some point, I don't need to build my deck. 
you know, I'll just wait, yeah. right? So then prices come back down, buyers jump back in, um, and now you've got you know prices climbing back up again as demand picks up. Uh, and at the same time, I think the you know the profitability, the uh, largest five lumber producers, um, you know, had profits over two thousand percent. Wow. Um, at the height of the lumber bubble, so they've kind of I think they got a taste of the Kool Aid. Yeah. And they're like, well, maybe if we just slow production a little bit, keep the you know, inventory keep, a little lower. Keep, yeah. You know, keep fat and happy interesting um so i i think if you know we had a dead cat bounce so it seems like that's what's happening now is they're just kind of restricting uh i could be wrong on that that's i'm just speculating no yeah that's, that's uh, good but it feels like you know they're they're just slowing production to um to kind of keep the prices and and right, supply a little can't blame them no <laughs> yeah they, they like to make money I'm right sure. yeah well good so kind of to kind of wrap up the residential side i want to kind of move on to like um rentals or multifamily and commercial so um, from the high level, and, and, and maybe just hit this home, I know you've talked about it, where do you see kind of this, this market going into next year? Um, and just to add to that, like, you know, people are always saying, we're, we're in a housing bubble, or prices are so high, um, I'm gonna wait and buy a house till prices go lower. But, you know, and maybe you can even add to, we hear about there's a, on the home building side, we were talking about home building. We've been in a shortage of home buying or building. Home building, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things going on there. But you know, back to just the main question: Where do you see it going next year? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to your listeners, I yeah. have no clue. It's it's really, I mean, there's so many different dynamics going yeah. on, right? You've got um, you've got inflation ticking up. Um, you know, wage growth is not going to keep up with inflation. It never does. Um, You've got uh, interest rates. Uh, interest rates probably going up. I doubt they're going down. Um, sure. They're probably going up. Um, you've got you know cost of building increasing. Um, I just don't know. Um, but you have the big demand of people. Right. There's always. That's why I try and stay in that that first time home buyer market because there's always new butts and seats. Sure. Right. And it. Um, you know, it's not always the sexiest place to be. It's kind of rinse and repeat, but it, yeah. it, it works. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't know. Then on the, you know, on the multifamily side, the valuations there are crazy. Yeah. Um, so you've got people playing in that market, which even seems more frothy than the, the single family side of it. And I, you know, I don't play in that market much at all. Um, you know, just what I'm educating and, and yeah. reading. Uh, but as far as where's the single family market go, um, I don't know. It feels like at some, and maybe just just because I'm you know bond trader and my glass is yeah. half empty on that <laughs> side of things, and I'm I'm relatively conservative, is that it feels like it feels like things are going to go bad at some point. Um, you know, you've got the this Evergrande event in China, yeah, um, with you know 300 billion, and I think CMBS is going to be a household name again. Sure. You know, coming up in the future. Um, as people learn about that more of that debacle, and it'll be interesting to see what the Chinese government does with that, and what CB, what does that stand for? for uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, and that's how we all got in a big, big trouble back in '08. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Chinese government does with this Evergrande situation. If they, um, you know, if they allow them to fail, or if they're bailing them out, and you know, how does that affect you know the pension funds that have invested there? Sure. Um, is this a Bear Stern type event or a Lehman event? Yeah. Because they, they just kind of kicked that down the road. And, you know, it was in the news right. a couple months back. Now it's not anymore, but it's still it's lingering. It's still a lingering big problem. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, 
they're very good at keeping things quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but but it has its tentacles in right. the U.S. and every you know big banks. And right. So that's uh, that could be a pretty big event. And then you know it seems like there's just these little looming issues kind of all over. Um, and does that eventually you know come and wreak havoc? Uh, I think it does. I don't know why I think it does. It just feels like uh, we need a we need a bit of a cooling off because we've we've been so strong. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather see a cooling off than a, than a than blow keep up. going. Yeah. So so going so would you say that you're just hanging out right now going into next year? Just are you buying yourself where you yeah, can? Yeah, I'm, I'm still or, continuing to buy. You just have to be um, more careful on your I'm numbers. Just, yeah, I'm a small business, so I can be nimble, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, you know, like some of these larger private equity firms. Um, you know, if you think of it as like, uh, uh, you know, being on a cruise in a cruise ship and the, sh- the ship needs to turn to the right, yeah. like I'm a small business, right? I'm a little rowboat. I can get that yeah. thing turned quick. <laughs> Where these big, the, these big companies, these big ships, you know, it may take them, you know, hours to turn, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, which it may take a company six months to totally pivot or more um, yeah. to readjust. So I think they've, they've got more risk. Um, you know, we've seen it with Zillow. They backed out yeah. of home buying, and they they bailed on. I think it was like 400 contracts um, that they had to buy. Um, they lost a boatload of money, and they're um, you know they're they're having to figure things out. Yeah, that that's a you know I said we we're going to get into uh, a multifamilies or rentals here in a minute, but let's talk about that point. That you know these bigger companies, Zillow one, but even locally here, there's private equity groups coming in and buying single family homes sure. rentals and you experienced this in yourself you're you're actually selling to them right from yes. what you were telling me yeah. earlier what is going on there what is that um well they've come into they're they're in many markets around the u.s um i think they were they've been in other markets first that have newer housing stock because i think those houses are just easier to deal with okay um you know you've got you know, basically subdivisions built in the 90s, they're all three bedroom, two bath, they're very easy to go in and rehab, they don't need yeah. a ton of work, it's a lot of paint, carpet, cosmetics. Where in Milwaukee you go in and you've got 1920s bungalows Yeah. that are, you know, you open up a wall, there's no insulation, and it's, <laughs> you've got to fix that stuff. Sure. So it's, it's much harder to systematize that. Okay. So I think they were in other markets first, now they're Kinda here, I think out. it's yeah. just, they're trying to get return anywhere they can get it. Okay. So there's a lot of cash out there, they need to find a home for it, and uh, you know, lately they it feels like they've been paying up. They've been very aggressive just because they want they need return. They, they want and they want they want units. They want houses or single family homes or rental units under their umbrella. Yep. So and when they came in, they're paying prob- for it. probably about four years ago. Okay. And buying, I thought they were crazy. Yeah. Um, and the market's only gone up since they've been buying. Um, so I'm the crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> like they've been they've they've done very well. And. and so you're, they're paying good price, is what yes. you're saying. Yep. Um, but and the markets continue to go well. Yeah. And so you think that they are, you know, on their business side, are, are they doing well? Are they buying too high, like a Zillow type of thing? Do you think it'll continue along that line? Like, you know, are they artificially pushing up these prices? Those types of uh, outfits? Um, they may be pushing prices a little bit, um, but. How does it end for them? Does it end good or bad? Um, from their standpoint, I don't think they care. 
Okay. Um, because there, as long as you know, my guess is as long as they're getting, you know, a return for their investors yeah. and their cash flowing, they don't, they probably don't care really what the asset value does. I don't. They, they, I'm sure they care. Sure. But it's it doesn't hit doesn't hit their financials. Yeah. Uh, just because they're cash flowing, <clears throat> rents are coming in as long as they're coming in, um, and you know they they've got. A lot of rentals. Interesting. So, so basically, what I'm hearing is that if if you do have a single family home or even a rental in the Milwaukee area, potentially you could just if you're an average everyday renter or I'm sorry, homeowner that's be selling a house or you could be selling to a, to a private equity, which would yes. not have been the case four years ago. Correct. Interesting. Yep. So cool. Well, that's great insight. So let's um, you want to move on to some the rental market a little sure. bit more. Um, so that, that was we could probably keep talking for days on, on the single yes. family home, but but uh, but rental units and we you mentioned earlier about multifamily is crazy. A lot of people are getting into that, possibly frothy. Um, you know, you have rental units yourself, a portfolio. Uh, maybe just give me the high level overview from there. What is a multifamily? I guess in your terms too, uh, just to even dumb it down a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, for a lot of people, multifamily is anything bigger than a four unit. So we got um, rental units, which could be a duplex or something, and then multifamily is right. up and above that. Right. Okay. Yeah. In my portfolio, I mainly have single families and duplexes. Okay. Um, so my rationale when I started was, um, if I ever want to exit the business, um, sell, have owning single families and duplexes, I can either sell to another investor as an exit strategy, um, or I can sell to a retail buyer. Um, where in the multifamily space, you're typically um, buying from an investor and selling to an investor. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you, there's pros and cons to each. You know, I've got many roofs, many furnaces. Yeah. With the multis, you know, you got bigger units. Okay. One roof, maybe a big boiler, or, um, you know, but there's pros and cons to each. Okay, no, that makes sense. And then, like you've been saying, so you know, in that, in both of those uh, markets right now, we're seeing that they're they're a lot of people getting into them they they have very low inventory higher prices there what's been your experience over the last year with that um like i said i don't do a ton in that multifamily space but just with friends that yeah, do it's um is very competitive uh multifamilies a lot of times trade on cap rates um and uh it's cap rates are dropping and valuations you know people are the returns on there are just getting thinner and thinner. Um, so, you know, just because there's a lot of cash out there, is that why? I, I, I think, think so. I think that's what's driving it. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they're buying them if there's a, a value add available. Maybe it's been mismanaged. Yeah. Uh, maybe the rents are too low. They can do some renovations, get okay. rents up. Um, you know, I th that's typically where people are able to, you know, kind of force that equity. And do you think just, you know, it's kind of a I always keep saying this word buzzword industry, but like people that are having cash now think, and there's a lot of, you know, home improvement shows out there. People want to get into the rental just because it seems like a sexy industry now too. Do you think that's part of it? Do you see that? Like anybody could go do it when probably not, they can't, or, or what do you see in there? Yeah, it seems like when, I, when I'm out, whether I'm getting my hair cut or whatever, and you hear people and everyone's going to become becoming a flipper again yeah then it's like oh man we got to be close to the top <laughs> right yeah. we got to be uh things have to change again yeah um but it, it has been like the sexy place to be in the multi-families and there's yeah. there's so many ways to go about getting in it into it through syndications or buying yourself or you know through the reits like you'd mentioned yeah. previously um so 
you know, typically when people are buying these larger, they're, they're using management companies. They're not self-managing. You know, we self-manage everything. Sure. Um, so it's uh, it's an easier place, I think, for people to just put their money in and sit back and let someone else run I see. it. That makes sense. Um, so you're not. It's much for a lot of people. It's much more hands-off, um, and there's probably more people that want to be hands-off than hands-on. So it's easier for them to just throw money at it. Okay. What about rent? So rent's going up from what I was saying year over year in November from from that uh, realtor um, National Association of Realtors uh, November 2021 report. Year over year in November, it's, it's up 11%. Mm-hmm. Are you raising rents? Yes, we are. Um, and part of it is you know, supply and demand in the market. Okay. <clears throat> um, uh, the other part is to recover losses. Yeah. Um, and for you know, people listening, like, well, what do you mean losses? Yeah, the market, let's talk about the market's them. been good. Like, yeah. what, uh, how can there be losses? It goes back to the, the government kind of. Right. With, it was not fun for you a little bit last right. year. Right. So there was a, the CDC moratorium uh, that. Uh, did not allow me to evict non-paying tenants, and uh, it wasn't just me. It was people all, you know, all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, so what a lot of tenants heard is they don't have to pay rent. Yeah. Um, so the because in theory it had a good cause. Not to get it's not right. political on that side. It's just people took advantage of it. Is what you're saying? Yes. And I I think part of it almost felt like it was. Uh, and again, this is just my my view on it. Um, is that it was a political feel-good thing to do? Yeah. Um, without really understanding how the money was going to be dispersed um, and how efficient or inefficient the process was. Yeah. So if, <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of money out there for landlords, and I believe there still is. Sure. Uh, but it has to be uh, applied for. Um, paperwork has to be handled by two parties: the landlord as well as the tenant. Okay. If the tenant has no interest, doesn't want to get involved. It doesn't okay. matter. So. Actually, what I printed, I printed out just to show you. We just docketed three judgments yesterday, uh, and these three pieces of paper here are very expensive toilet paper <laughs> uh, because I will never, likely, never be able to collect yeah, on so them. Yeah, so we're looking at some court documents here. Right. So uh, three tenants, and this is just. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to. Yeah. This is like real life. Real stuff. world. That's what we're trying to get to. Um, yeah. So between the 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 three tenants here, it's forty thousand eight hundred and eighty dollars in judgments. So, so that forty thousand was rent that you did not collect because they didn't pleaded pay. the eviction. Right. eviction so on pay. top of that, yeah. there's turnover costs. Yeah, um, you know some of these were just rent. We didn't go after rents. A lot easier to get in court than trying to justify repairs and damages. Okay, um, I believe uh, one of these had repairs and damages on them. Um, so as a result of this, uh, you know across the country um, of uncollected rent. Rents have to go up to cover these losses. Um, so, in addition to the market, um, you know, there's the the pain incurred by yeah. landlords to recover. Yeah, they were in the hole. Right, and during this time as well, landlords still had to pay. You know, if you had debt on them, you still had to pay a mortgage. Your furnace taxes, goes out. Yeah. You still have to. Yeah. You know, you still have to go and, and fix the furnace. Yeah. Um, taxes, insurance, all that good stuff. So. Um, it'll be interesting, um, and it's unfortunate in Milwaukee because I don't know offhand what the percentage is, um, but in Milwaukee County, the it's kind of a disproportionate amount of income to rent ratio. It's relatively high. Okay. It's only going to get higher now. So, um, so that's so that's kind of the un- yeah. unfortunate un- unintended, unintended consequences of that is right. actually going to be worse for the renter. Right. Yeah. So, um, hmm. you know. If you ask me, how would I have done it different? Um, keep the government out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, 
I agree. It seemed like you know a lot of times with with those types of things, they, like we said, they have a good intention, but the execution of them—that's what we're looking at. Put people in the hole, and then the people that is supposed to help, and you're and what we're talking right. about is actually going to hurt worse. And this isn't even long-term future. This is a year later. Right. We're talking about a year and a half, right. twenty, you know, twenty-four one, months, maybe. Two in years. one of these tenants, she had been a, a tenant uh, for over ten years. Wow. And she just stopped communicating and figured out, well, I'm just going to ride this out as long as I can, and I'm out of here. Wow. Um, so it's unfortunate. And yeah. Especially when you, you try and have good relationships with your yeah. tenants and communicate um, and do the right thing. But it, it happens. Um, yeah. And so I don't know what overall losses are nationwide. I'm sure they're astronomical. Sure. Um, but um, So that's something, you know, in the, into next year that's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing on, on the rental side that a lot of people and some of your listeners, if I'm assuming I've probably heard about is what people reference as the Burr strategy. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, so the Burr strategy. You is, love it, don't you? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, to some extent. Um, and, and actually, I lend to some people doing the Burr strategy. Um, but there's things I like and don't like about it. Yeah. So for people with the Burr strategy, it's uh, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, re- repeat so brr was b with several hours yep, behind yep. It. there's a lot of information out there if you google it or other podcasts on burr strategy so right it's, it's um so what i am seeing a lot right now is is people kind of building a house of cards similar to what i saw in the last housing crash um and the way i think they're they're building a house of cards is when they're when they're doing the uh you know the fourth part of that r the you know you're about they're buying so buy. up the, Renovate, renovate, rent, rent, refinance, refinance, repeat. The refinance part is the scary part. So you're tr- they're trying to basically do the do the ref- buy a house cheap or do some repairs to it, and then try to get a higher valuation of that house and do a cash out refi is what they're trying right. to do, right? And I'm I think the strategy is fine if they keep their loan to value low, but a lot of these guys are they're trying to max out. That. They're maxing yeah everything out possible. So they've got all this money out of this house. They maybe even get paid at this point to transact on it. So they might pour more, pull more equity out of that house than they actually put it, put in. Right. So, okay. so they're in it for nothing. Yeah, but they have a high debt to... Right, and their cash flow is not horrible. Okay. So horrible cash flow. Um, they think they have equity, uh, but you can't eat equity, right? You can yeah. eat cash flow, you can't eat equity. <laughs> sure, no, that's a good point. Um, so now, you know, if, if we get a market change... You know this equity that they thought they had is gone. Um, that gets wiped out, right? And yeah. now let's say they have a tenant turnover. They have no, they have no cash flow to to do the turn because they've they weren't managing debt properly. They have no cash reserves. They sure. should have cash reserves, but yeah, a but lot of them don't. Yeah, because um, the cash flow is tight. Right, cash yeah. flow is tight. Um, now they've got to stick three thousand bucks in on a paint and carpet, and they don't have it. Um, so now they just try and stick anyone in there. That person doesn't pay rent. They don't have the money to evict them. And now the house of cards just so it is yeah so right. high. it's not just one house they have they've got multiple yeah um, so in a lot of people I see this you know they they have a W two job um, and they're doing this on the side yeah uh, because it's easier for them to get that financing with, yeah. with that job so um, that part to me is scary because I see a lot of people doing this on the flip side there are many people doing it where I agree with the strategy they're keeping their loan of values uh, or debt to income I'm sorry loan of values low. So they're they're keeping their cash. So keeping high. equity in there and keeping so they don't have high debt payments or Correct. something. What you're saying, okay, right. yeah. So, so their cash flow is strong. Sure. 
So if they've got they've got reserves built up because they've been able to build those reserves with their cash flow, um, and if you know the crap hits the fan, yeah, they're they're going to be able to sustain it. And so is it fair to say, and you're saying cash flow is king in kind of your world? Yes. You'd rather have that than that equity. I think in, in everyone's world it should be king. Yeah. Um, because at at the end of the day, you know, if if like you're like, not working a job. Um, and you don't have that money coming in. If you've got investments that have a lot of equity, it doesn't mean anything. If no. you've got equity yeah. investments that are kicking off cash flow, um, you know that's yeah, because that, that to be. yeah, it takes away the house of cards effect. Is what mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from you is that if you have the cash flow coming in, like you said, cash flow is is good in anything. But in this real estate example, is that if you have the cash flow coming in and there is a market downturn of the of the actual value of the house you're not hurt there because you still have the cash flow coming in so you're not Correct. you don't have that double-edged sword there yep. if you were maxed out on um the loan to value so right. oh that's good that's a good point because that is a very hot topic i hear about it everywhere actually right. i mean um you know and it gets people excited because it seems like a place that people could really build wealth fast is kind of the the mo to it right but right but we've it been is. in a great it's, market right. for such OPM, a long time other people's money other right? people just money. leverage 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 yeah which a lot of the, the books tell you, you know, leverage, leverage, leverage. Yeah. Um, what well, works until it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but if, if you're good at managing debt, um, you know, I like the idea of, um, you know, keeping your cash flow strong, um, financing some properties, getting a portfolio up, and then selling half your portfolio and owning the rest free and clear. Um, and kind of like upgrade if you wanted to. Or, right, yeah. exactly. Like okay. the last market turn, I don't know a single person. Um, that blew up and went under that had free and clear properties. Sure. Right. The guys, yeah. the guys that were in a disaster situation. That's had, the house of cards effect. Yep. Right. Yeah. Scary. No, that's, that's a good kind of warning, you know, because not a lot of people out there are saying what you're saying on the, on the, sure. on the first day. So I love hearing <laughs> about it. Uh, I even have some uh, friends and coworkers here that, that uh, would be interested to hear you talk about that. Sure. Um, but great. Okay, so we talked about a lot of stuff: residential market, the rental market, multifamily. Let's just touch on office space, uh, just because we're trying to hit high level. I know like, this isn't your, what you work in sure. daily, but I mean, you're, you're in the industry. You know better than I do, better than most. So, um, you know, maybe just talk to me about what you're seeing, what you're reading, hearing about office space. Um, like I mentioned, there was a millions, hundreds of millions of office space that was left un, un, unused. Um, unoccupied during the pandemic sure. we have companies talking about working from home now you know, hybrid yeah. model some are saying we're coming back full-time so it's a lot of noise a lot of unknowns about what's gonna happen things are getting transitioned what's your take on it um, it will be very interesting I think a lot of it's gonna have to be repurposed um, whether they make that into co-working type space um, which I've, I actually invested in a startup in Milwaukee in a, okay. in a co-working business, which has been interesting uh, What's that? in the pandemic. Pardon me? What is that? Uh, the business Milwaukee co-work. Okay. Uh, we're on... Uh, so you wearing a shirt on it today. Yeah, I say. am, yeah. I am. <laughs> so we're at 7311 West Greenfield. So it's a great space in it. Uh, so the the challenging part for us is our, our build-out uh, took longer than we had hoped. Um, and then we, we opened, right, in, as the pandemic was hitting. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so um, where I was kind of where I was wrong, I was thinking like, okay, this is it's going to be bad, but it, it's going to be good at the same time because you know people in downtown Milwaukee that aren't going in, 
you know, they're, they're sick of trying to get work done when their kids are playing video games yeah. and they're, you know, spouses. Oh, I see. So, yeah. So, so they're like, okay, they're going to tolerate it for a little bit, but eventually yep. it's like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. I, yeah. I need to get co-working space to a co-working spot. Yeah. Um, however, a lot of these, I think a lot of these companies were like, well, we have umpteen thousand square feet of empty office space. We're not paying you to go to a co-working space. I see. Yeah. Um, we still had people that, plenty of people that came in, but not as many as I thought would. Okay. Um, and some of those, some of those people are back to work. Some are still working remotely or doing a hybrid type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, so the business, uh, business is doing much better now. It was very tough starting out. Oh, sure. Um, but it's, uh, it's doing well, well now. And, um, I think we actually have all our private offices rented out and now we, we have like a lot of Interesting. people use it as like pop in space and nice. conference rooms people use. So, um, but I guess back to your question, um, you know, what does that office space look like a couple of years from now? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of it out there. Even like you look at like shopping malls. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. There's... I was just in one, uh, yeah, yesterday actually, two days ago maybe. And it's it's kind of sad being it, in there. It is. Yeah. But I mean, you see seeing some of those being repurposed, even in Milwaukee here locally, they're doing right. some of that, right? Yeah, but so I was is that just... going to be the only thing? They're just going to repurpose all this stuff? and, and Or or what? They're not Something yeah. gonna get knocked down. Who, well, somebody. I, I was just in Fond du Lac. I haven't been. Uh, I had to meet uh, my in-laws there. Okay. Uh, and we met in the mall parking lot. Yeah. And I pulled in. And I'm like, "Where is the mall?" Oh. Like it's uh, there's like two stores left. The rest of it's gone. Really. Um, which so they are not. Wow. They, so that one they yeah. knocked. They knocked down. I don't know. If, I don't but know what their plans are with sure. it. Sure. Um, but you know, do they? You know, self storage is how do they turn a lot of these into climate controlled self storage sure. or medical type facilities? Yeah, Amazon um, warehouses. Right, right. <laughs> everything will be turned into an Amazon yeah. warehouse. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but there's, you know, I would assume people that are left are going to be renegotiating their leases. Yeah. So what is that right now? That that owner of that building is, you know, what do they do? Yeah, um, you renegotiate lower, or you lose your tenant. Right? Sure. Um, you know, I think the you know the people that have the, the class A type buildings are in a stronger position because there's there's going to be demand for that. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I don't know. It'll I wish be, I had the crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's just it's just that's what's been crazy and what it's been great to talk to you about is that over the last I guess it's what 20, 22 months, twenty four months almost since not quite 24, but, uh, you know, just about two years, I could say from the pandemic that it affected the real estate industry, different parts of the real estate industry very differently. Right. Some boom, sure. some bust. It's and, and they're, it's just trying to take hold and the future is going to be different than where it was two years ago in, in most of the real estate industry. So, yep. um, it's been great to talk to you about that. A lot of unknowns coming through, but it's been, you know, you've given us some good insight on, um, a bunch of different things here. So, um, so thank you, uh, sure. to wrap it kind of up, let me just throw maybe one question, one or two questions on you. This kind of my final questions is, is maybe two of them. So what's, uh, what's something you think the general population, uh, needs to know about the real estate industry that they don't just in general, um, putting you on the hot seat. Yeah. Something they should know that they don't. Um, I think back to the point, and again, I don't want to sound doom and gloom, um, but that a lot of people preach debt is a good thing, and I okay. think that can be a horrible thing. Okay. Um, so it can, uh, if it's not managed properly, yeah. it, it can just 
be can very, destroy be you. very painful sure. and destroy relationships and businesses um, just because I, I've seen that happen um, in the prior bust. So um, I would, you know, just be hyper aware of, of you know, if you're using debt, manage it properly. Okay. Um, and uh, and you're going to be fine as long as you have that cash flow. Great answer. Um, last question then. What's something that excites you going into next year about the real estate market? The uncertainty. The uncertainty. It's exciting for you, huh? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, because a small business owner, it's like you've always got to be any business owner, right? Um, or anyone anyone looking for investment opportunities. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times the investment opportunities are when everyone else is scared to death. Like, sure. Those are know, good times. Yeah. Good times, right? Um, Swim against the grain a bit. Right. Um, and going against the grain has worked well for me. Being conservative has worked well. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in my business, sometimes like the best deals are the ones I don't do. Um, <laughs> that's that's right. a good point. Yeah, you didn't lose money on that one. Right. Um, <laughs> even though at times it's hard, um, but you know, I try and you know figure out the vision and then okay, does this fit in that vision instead of being a shiny object? Um, you know, when I've stayed focused, uh, it, things seem to yeah. to work well. But the the uncertainty is, is exciting because it's yeah. trying to figure out, um, you know, kind of what's next. Uh, how do you plan for that? Um, maybe you can't plan. You just have to stay nimble. And yeah, when, just be when aware. change comes, yeah. you just you just be ready move. to react. Oh. Be moved. So that, that part's well, fun. Well, good. Um, and then just the last thing, like we talked about your business, who who who's like, uh, where can I find you? Number one, um, and then who who are you kind of looking for? If who's kind of your top client again? Just as a for anybody listening, if they need to get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, top client is is anyone that is needing to sell a home uh, and wants to sell it quickly uh, and is looking for a cash buyer on it. Okay. Um, and you know, I work with a lot of uh, uh, probate and estate attorneys um, with, with their clients and. Um, so yeah, really anyone that needs to uh, sell a property quickly, okay. we can help them out. What's your website? Uh, it's uh, planbhomebuyers.com. Okay, and I'll put your contact info in the in the notes Great. and everything. And um, but yeah, thanks again. Yeah, it's been uh, fun. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate your time here. It's been a wealth of information. So I'll let you get back to your job here today. And uh, thanks again. Have Sounds a good day. Great. Thank you, Ryan. High Point Capital Group is located at 1200 North Mayfair Road, Suite 300, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53226. Phone number 414-253-4600. Securities and investment advisory services offered through SagePoint Financial, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. SagePoint Financial is separately owned in other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of SagePoint Financial. Views expressed here should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned here. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and investors are not able to invest directly into any index. Sector investing may involve a greater degree of risk than investments with broader diversification. However, there is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio alone will outperform a non-diversified portfolio 
in any given market environment. No investment strategy, such as asset allocation, can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, information should only be relied upon and coordinated with individual professional advice. Ryan Hitchcock believes the information presented here is accurate and was obtained from sources that are believed to be reliable. However, Ryan does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from Ryan. Statements expressed by guests on this podcast are the views of those guests only and not of Ryan Hitchcock. Statements contained in this podcast may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on Ryan Hitchcock's or guests' current views and assumptions and involve known and or unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. Investments in real estate have various risks, including possible lack of liquidity and devaluation based on adverse economic and regulatory changes.